He wants us more than just completing novenas. He wants our hearts. That's what he really wants. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined, as always, by Dave, the Marcus Aurelius of our generation, Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I'll take Marcus Aurelius. I've been oh, have you been? with my have son, Sam, nice. every day. Nice. We are joined today by a very special guest, Dr. Edward Sri, a very uh, common household name now. The Ascension Press family, especially if you're involved. I mean, you're, you're involved in so many ministries, so many different things. Focus. Yeah. yeah. I saw you at the Defending the Faith conference. Like, you're everywhere. You are everywhere. <laughs> I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have many good friends and get to work alongside amazing people in a lot of different apostolates. So it, it, it's a joy. Yeah. It's awesome. And you have been such a blessing to the church, to my own life. I loved your... Uh, Amazing summary of love and responsibility. That was one, honestly, that's one of my favorite books. I keep it handy whenever I do marriage prep because whenever people come at me with all the all the millions of questions about Catholic sexual ethics and whatnot, I have that book handy. It's very readable, very approachable for them. So thank you for that. So basically, what we want to do is talk about your new series that you have here with Ascension Press. When you pray, and I think this is so important for us. The reason why we want you on this show is because our model, our method, our, our madness is always, you need to be grounded in prayer. Conversion, seeking evangelization, in order for it not to just become a project or recruitment effort is, is about raising the dead, right? And we cannot do that without prayer. And so you wrote not only a wonderful book to complement the video series, but it beautifully shot in Italy. Incredible, incredible production that they did with you there. You have a small group guide and a book that all goes together. So we just wanted to bring you in, talk briefly, quickly about prayer and its centrality. So you're, you're doing stuff with focus. So how does prayer augment an evangelist like a focused missionary? What would you say to someone like that? Oh, it's the very center of all we do. And, and just like you all, we emphasize that for any kind of ministry. We, we, we call it divine mm -hmm. intimacy. That's our one of our key kind of values. We, we say that if we're going to be a missionary, it all begins with what's happening in our interior life. So all the missionaries, they themselves, the, these young people that are going out doing evangelization on college campuses across the country and overseas, they do a holy hour every day. They do mass every day. They do the Divine Mercy Chaplet and Rosary. But, but they have a holy hour of which we encourage at least half of that holy hour is just your kind of quiet time with the Lord meditation, you know, and maybe you're doing some spiritual reading or other things during that time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. But all mission flows from there. And that's one of the big points I highlight in the book is that this is true not just for those of us that may formally work in apostolic work, but if I just want to be a good dad, <laughs> I, need, I need to have an interior life. If I want to be a good husband, my wife needs me to pray. I mean, my children, they're dependent on me, not just to provide them, you know, for all the natural goods, but spiritually as well. And I won't be the best dad I can be for my kids if I'm lacking in an interior life. And so, I, this, I'll say this is a point that's been resonating with people. In fact, when I saw you at Defending Faith Conference, I, I gave a talk on this point, and many, many of those great people came up afterwards, and they, they were, these, are, you know, this is at Steubenville. Right? This, this, these are people coming from all over the country to fly in for a weekend to hear, you know, a lot of talks about defending the faith. So this is the cream of the crop, right? This is the top tier of, you know, committed right. Catholics, but many of them admitted 
that they don't have a daily prayer life. Because I challenged them. I said, you know, daily prayer isn't just simply saying prayers like our fathers and glory bees. And that's good. We should do that. It's more than just devotions like the rosary and divine mercy chapel. It's more than even liturgical prayer, like the morning and evening prayer of the church, and even more than the mass. Now, I'm going to qualify when I say that. The mass is, I want to be clear, the highest form of prayer. It is the sacrifice of Christ made present to us. It is the greatest worship ever, and we participate in that. But yet, all the graces of the Mass, the Eucharist, all the sacraments will only bear fruit in our souls to the extent that those graces are met with a cultivated interior life of what the Church calls meditation, which isn't anything esoteric, just using our mind when we pray. It's not just saying prayers or not just reading, like turning prayer into study hall. I'm just reading a book. You know, it's no, I read maybe a line or two from the Bible. I pause, I talk to Jesus about it. Lexio Divina, Ignatian Meditation, I visually, you know, envision myself in the biblical scene. These are all different ways we can pray, and we can talk about those later. But the point is that I have that quiet time every day, 20, 30, at least 15 minutes a day, I would say, of that quiet time to be filled with the Lord so then I could go out and radiate Christ more into this world. That was my very favorite part of the book in particular. I It was the paragraph I, like, underlined is you said, and I want to read it because I feel like this comes up constantly. He says, so the question, should I go to daily mass or take time for prayer is not a good question, <laughs> right? It's almost like marriage asking if I'm very busy and have to choose between having marital relations with my spouse or talking with my spouse, which should I choose? A this is like question. a constant. <laughs> Don't ask your spouse that question. It is, right, exactly, right, right. But this is like a classic, when you yeah. work for a parish, if you're a DRE and you're trying to get people to pray, this is a classic thing that you hear all the time right? To set up this dichotomy. And I think like, it's so clear, like when you look at the lives of the saints, the one thing that's present in every single life of the saints is Christian mental prayer, right? Meditation, as you described it, right? That's the one thing. I mean, obviously the sacraments, but it's not possible if you want to be a saint to do it without mental prayer, without meditation. Yeah, My wife and I, we, we got to go to Spain this summer on pilgrimage for our 24th wedding anniversary. And I wanted to take her. She loves John of the Cross. Cool. She's like a huge cool. fan of John of the Cross. And so I wanted to take her to walk in the footsteps of John of the Cross. We went to many sites in Spain, but we did also go to Avila, where the great St. Teresa of Avila was. And, and there's in the courtyard right there in Avila, where, where her convent is, it's structured in a unique way. There's these seven concentric circles in the on, on the floor of the courtyard. And each circle has a Roman numeral, starting on the outside with one, then two, then three. And then you get to the middle and there's a cross in the middle of the courtyard with the number seven. It's a reference, as you all know, to the seven you know mansions, the seven levels in the interior castle. Like she's a beautiful image that you know, our souls are like an interior castle and our great Lord, our beloved, the King dwells in the middle. And what we want to do is live ever more interiorly. Well, what was what was fascinating is, you know, so I went back and I've, I've read The Interior Castle before, but I was reading it on pilgrimage and just, you know, countering it in a deeper way. It's just fascinating. She says, you know, because many people, they, they read the book, they go, where am I? I'm at level one, yeah, level yeah. three, level five. What do I do to get to the next step? And she basically says, you know, if you're of not course. praying every day, if you don't have mental prayer, you're not even in the castle. You're outside. You're right. not even at right. level one. You're not a beginner yep. in the interior life. Yeah. Whoa, that's a challenge. Right. But right. I say that to, to inspire us because if we want to really experience the transformation of our souls like Jesus wants to do in our interior lives, it's not going to happen at the deepest levels. If We might be able to get to heaven eventually. We could be on the outside and just love Jesus, do the minimum, say our prayers and, you know, not, not fall into mortal sin. 
But anyone listening to your podcast, I know, is, doesn't want to be a mediocre Christian. They they long to to be deeply more deeply united with Christ, to be changed by Jesus. But that can only happen if we have an interior life. You know, one story we use and focus a lot as a model. In fact, I heard someone just use it this week. Is Mother Teresa? You know, and she was asked by the Pope and many bishops around the world to bring the missionaries of charity to all of these dioceses around the world. You know, she was just in India and to start spreading everywhere. It was like she stretched like never before. She doesn't have any time. She doesn't have the human resources. So what does she do? She realizes she has to cut back on prayer so she can do more active work for God. No, that's not what she does. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. She has a holy hour. You know? <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that story. Right. But that yeah, would be yeah. our temptation, right? There's so much going on at the parish. Oh, it's Lent. Sure, of course. Uh, oh, it's, you know, we're approaching our, the Easter vigil for RCA. I, I, I just got so much to do. I'm staying up all night. I just, God will understand. I have to cut back on prayer. That's the worst place to cut back. You know, right. and and again, I want to be clear. Sometimes we stumble, we fall. Lord, he's merciful. He'll forgive us. But we want to have hearts that are fighting for that time for daily prayer. I quote the beautiful prayer of Mother Teresa. This is what they say. After every day, they do the Holy Hour of Mass, and they pray this prayer that's based on Newman, radiating yep. Christ. It says, Jesus, shine through us and be so in us that every soul we come in contact with may feel your presence in our soul. Let them look up and see no longer us, but only Jesus. And, and, and I think this is the key that if to think about it from, I, I think you can look at it from marriage, like my wife, you know, I needs the best of me and the best of me is at Edward Street. It's Christ radiating through me. My children need more than my love for them, which is noble. It's sincere, but it, it's full of selfishness and impatience and my own vices and hurts from my past. It's far from perfect. That my children need more than what I can give them. They need Christ radiating through me. That can only happen if I have this daily mental prayer. The same thing in pastoral ministry, right? The people that are in our Bible study, in our youth ministry, uh, the people in our CIA, people in sacramental prep, I, I want them to encounter more than Edward Sree or you know whoever the DRE is, or the youth minister. We, we want them to encounter Jesus in us. And that will happen so much more if I have an interior life. That's more important than my organized lesson plan, you know, or this night, the, the, the nice turn of phrase I wrote out for the people or yeah. the, the, the beautiful music and the really, you know, well-planned retreat. And again, God wants to use our natural gifts as well, but more important than those things is them encountering Jesus. May they look up and see not just, Hey, that was great music. That was a great talk. No, may they look up and see Jesus shining through. Yeah. Us. I was just on a, a podcast called Better Preach. It's about giving talks and, and preaching and homiletics and all this stuff. And he said, well, you know, what do you do? What's your pregame <laughs> prep for it? And I was like, well, ever since I joined the ordinariate, it's Newman's prayer of radiation, right? Yeah. And I love that prayer because the whole idea of of what we're trying to do is, and I say this, I say this like too much, but we're we're trying to awaken the dead. And you cannot do that without prayer. Right. If we think that mm -hmm. uh, if we think that right. we can turn a soul to God because we gave a sick talk with a cool hook, like <laughs> like without it proceeding and being penetrated by prayer from beginning to end, we're going to we're going to miss the point. What do you do with folks who ask you who are struggling? You have a whole section on the struggles of prayer. I have I have some people that I'm working with, some young people, and one of their objections are to prayer in general is why should I have to ask? That's like a bully or an, they keep a, making this analogy to an abusive spouse, right? 
someone coming to me and saying, well, I know what you need, but I'm not going to give it to you until you crawl on your hands and knees and ask me a bunch of times to prove that I should give it to you. Right. So that's a pretty uh, skeptical, angry answer. But this is this is coming yeah. from someone who <laughs> wants to pray. But these yeah. are the the things going on in their lives that that's kind of preventing that. Well, first of all, that example is, is focused on prayers yeah. and petition, which is only one aspect of prayer and, and the, the mm-hmm. smaller one. Right. You know, right. we should be adoring God and praising him. We should be thanking him. We should be confessing our sins. We should be interceding for other people. You know, so my own petitions. That's like the last part. And that and that's all a part of even vocal prayer. Right. So what we've been talking about is actually mental prayer is I'm spending time with Jesus and I'm you know, reading the Gospels, for example. I'm taking his word into my life and asking how this word that he spoke on the Sermon on the Mount or in this parable, how does it apply to me today? Or I put myself in the scene. I imagine being the hemorrhaging woman reaching out and touching Jesus. So in other words, like I, there's so much about prayer that is not about that one question right. of petition. So that would be one thing I want to highlight is we, we want prayer for all, all these other reasons that are so much more than just the petitions. Now, it's a fair question. Okay, so when it comes to petitions, why does, you know, why do I need to go and, and ask? I think of it as, as a father in the home. I, I love it when I see my kids coming and they, they ask for help. They want daddy. You know, daddy, could you help me put on my jacket? Daddy, can you help me put on my shoes? And I, I, and I want to help them. You know, I'm moved by that. I'll, I'll tell you when I see certain kids that I've had certain temperaments that I've raised in my in my children. Some of them are are more stubborn and they're more like, you know, more self-reliant. They're just like, I don't need any help. I want to do it myself. <laughs> and whenever that happens, it usually right. doesn't go that well. <laughs> but I think the idea of when we go and we bring our petition before God, it's not so much like God's testing, did you know, do you really need this? Do you really want it? Do you prove your love to me? And, you know, is it how fervent are you bringing this petition? Is that, I don't think that's it. I think it's much more about humility. And you look in the Gospels, people go to Jesus, you know, the man with leprosy and says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. It's a, it is a petition, but it's a humble petition. He's first of all recognizing I can't be healed on my own. I, I, I need you, Lord. I need you. <laughs> That's a fundamental aspect of humility, and, and I have to go to you as a beggar. But I'm also trusting you that, you know, if it's your will. In other words, maybe maybe you, I'm supposed to have this leprosy for a little longer because there's something you, you're going to teach me patience through that, and that's good for my soul. Or maybe you're going to teach me to be more compassionate on people that have it worse off than I do. And so I've got, there's some reason God in his providence, not that he inflicted me with leprosy, but we brought sin into this world, which brings all disease and suffering and crosses and broken relationships. And, you know, that, 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 that's just part of life. But God can use even those things that are hard in our lives for our good. So I surrender. Lord, I really want this promotion. Lord, I really want this relationship to work out. Lord, it could be something noble in ministry. I want this conversion for this person. But I should always bring it with a certain humble detachment of, Lord, I trust your will, you know, if you will. So I think it's much more about growing in humility, recognizing how much we're dependent on God, how much we need him. It's one thing to say it and, you know, to get it right on a catechism quiz. You know, do you need God? Yes, I need God, of course. But it's another thing to like live day to day. We so often live thinking we don't yeah. need God. <laughs> you know, even though we say we do, but we go through our lives, we plan our days and we're like, how much are we really turning to him, calling out to him, recognizing our lack of sufficiency in life? And, and I think, Going to God with our petitions helps us grow in great humility. That's awesome. I I think particularly your analogy at the beginning, like when a child comes and they say, Daddy, can you help me? I think when people are struggling, particularly like Omer said, 
using the phrase daddy changes everything, right? Like if you look at God as father, it's a different relationship than, you know, than someone who's like worrying about having being under his See, the, thumb. The, the problem like with that. the scenario yeah, that I gave it. is this woman was, was violently abused by her ultra religious sure, father. I, I and so all show that's oh, why she's always got her hands yeah. up and out towards God. And it's, and yeah. you know, hopefully my, my way of bringing healing into this is to let her see my fatherhood as not a vindictive, spiteful, right. you know, that you can love, mm-hmm. you can love and you can even exercise justice without it being vindictive, vindictive or hurtful or anything like that. But I think what you said is mm-hmm. the way, like the way is not, we look at prayer as constantly as this mercenary exchange. I do this. I say this number. Right. I do these nine days and you owe me a treat. You know, you give me a little bit of that divine power so that I can get this in my life. But it's like, oh, you want to spend time with me as a divine lover of my soul and the uniting of, you know, I love the the part in the very first chapter of the I thirst, right? Michael, mm-hmm. I thirst, right? Yeah, I love it. And just putting that in perspective of like, you know, you hear this all the time, right? God wants a relationship with you. And it's like, no, he yearns for divine intimacy with you and your humanity. It's a better way to contextualize the life of prayer. How do you help people who who tend to take uh, one woman? She's a, a grandmother. She has a, a Ziploc bag of saint cards. And her prayer time is she just pulls out a card, reads, asks for a special petition, puts it down. And she does that. She does that for 30 minutes straight. And then she's done. So she goes through like 200 of those little saint prayer cards and that's it. That's her closet door shut prayer time. Hmm. Well, on one hand, I think I would just look at that and say, this is what she's yep. been taught and she learned this somewhere and she's doing it a lot. <laughs> you know, so she's wanting to make a gift to the Lord. And I think God rejoices in that yep. and it's beautiful. I think God also wants more than her saying and all of us just saying prayers. He wants us more than just completing mm-hmm. novenas. He wants our hearts. That's what he really wants. And now I, I'm saying that that particular woman, and when we do novenas and devotions and other, you know, these kinds of prayers, like we're putting, we are trying to put our heart into it, but there's a deeper level that God wants to get into. And that's where some of the mental prayer comes in and even deeper contemplative prayer is where he's really drawing our heart out. I, I think that that's the piece, you know, going back to the Mother Teresa line, I thirst, you know, that was this, that was the biblical line from John 19, verse 28, that she just, that was the center of her whole spirituality, the mysteries of charity is that God is thirsting for us. He's longing for our time, for our attention. He's longing for us to spend time with him. And so just like when I'm with my wife, I love my wife, but I don't just pull out cards and say, hi, honey, I love you. How was your day? Hi, honey, how are you? How was your day? I mean, I'm not just constantly doing things. Now, I do things like that. And I'll buy her flowers and I buy her, you know, but it's also just the art of just spending time together. I think what's hard for people is that this kind of more quiet prayer or mental prayer is it's not always easy. We don't, we're not good at it. Like I, I can go say my rosary, say my divine mercy chaplet, do Vespers evening prayer and check the box in my mind and feel good about myself. I said some prayers. And I think again, God doesn't, he wants to go deeper with us. But when I sit in the chapel, in the adoration chapel, or I'm at home, just pulling out my Bible, doing Lexo Divina, my mind wanders. Again, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, to, to you all. Does your mind wander? Never. You uh, it did so once. You it distracted? did once. But a sheer <laughs> act of will, I suppressed <laughs> it and then continued yeah. on. Never. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, right. we're not angels. Our minds are going to wander. We get distracted. Our heart isn't always in it. I feel like I don't, sometimes I don't feel close to God. I don't feel like I accomplished anything. I feel like I'm leaving the chapel. Like, I, like, like nothing, like, was this even worth it? 
And I think I'll say this, out of all the things I've written in the book, this is the part I'm getting the most mm. feedback on and when I've spoken on it is what I'm about to share here is, because this is the real experience of people that do want to take that next step in prayer, they find it's not easy yeah. and it's hard. And I just want to say, the saints felt the same way. They had moments of distraction, yeah. darkness, yeah. aridity. They did not feel close to God all the time. So what, what are some key things to keep in mind? First of all, it could be, I, I quote St. Catherine of Siena here, Sometimes she says, it, we're, we're doing the best we can on our end, but it's the devil who's discouraging us. The devil doesn't want us to pray. And he will get us to think our prayer stinks. We're not good at prayer. So we just give up prayer. We just say, this is too hard. I don't, wanna, I don't, I don't get anything out of this. And again, the devil knows how powerful prayer is for our daily life. So he'll even use our good intentions, our, our sincere desire to pray well, and our acute awareness that we're not good at this. He'll use that to say, you know, you stink at prayer. You don't get anything out of this. It's not worth your time. Those voices aren't coming from God. They're coming from the devil. So Catherine of Siena says the key is to persevere. And secondly, she says, you know, also, even if you, you, you feel like you get absolutely nothing out of prayer every single time, know that you simply showing up is a good thing. She writes about your intention to pray is itself a, a gift you're giving to God. It's just beautiful. And this is very Dominican. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote about, we might not always be able to pay attention in prayer, but we can give God our intention. Meaning I show up saying, Lord, I want to give you my best. My mind might wander. I might get drowsy. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I really want to give you the best. I think about, I told the story when I was at the, the Divinity of the Faith Conference about my kids one Mother's Day went out in the field behind our house and picked flowers for my wife. And they put them in a nice vase. But the flowers, it wasn't flowers. It, it was weeds. And it wasn't even pretty weeds like those yellow dandelions. Those are these pretty weeds. These were those thorny, spiky <laughs> weeds that look like they came out of Mordor. You know? They don't <laughs> cut you, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. so, they, they, so Beth comes down in the morning, and they're there at the bottom of the steps with this vase to give her, Mommy, these are for you. And Beth just gets this smile, and she goes, Oh. Thank you, girls. This is awesome. Now, she knew they were ugly flowers, <laughs> but she saw in the vase more yeah. than the weeds. She saw their heart. And, and I, I say yeah. that because sometimes we go to prayer, you know, and, I, and we feel like my, my, prayer, my vase mm. was empty. I just didn't give anything beautiful to God. Or whatever was in my vase was ugly. It just you know, it was a bunch of weeds. But you know, I want to get better in my prayer life, of course. But at the, if, if I come with a good and sincere intention, Lord, I want to give you my best. I'm giving God something. Last story I'll tell about this is Mother Teresa, the true story. There's a priest I know that was doing retreats for Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta. And she, he was in the chapel praying alongside Mother Teresa. And they leave the chapel and they're starting to talk about the day and the schedule for the retreat. Then all of a sudden, Mother Teresa stops and says something to the priest. Now, the priest had had a really rough time in prayer. That holy hour was an hour of distraction and restlessness and dryness. He was walking out feeling very discouraged. And he didn't say anything to Mother Teresa, but she must have read his soul because she just turns to him and says, Father, never leave the chapel feeling mm. discouraged. <laughs> never leave feeling defeated. You know, you, you, even if you feel like you accomplished nothing, yeah. you can give God that nothing. And I think that's a beautiful line that I can walk out and even feel, Lord, I just feel like I didn't do much. I feel like I didn't give my best, but I, I give you my nothing or I give you my weeds. Like it's an act of humility, of surrender. Like this is the best I did today. I wish I would better but I give you this. The Father rejoices when we come humbly. We can even give him our nothing. I like that. I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I And I think sometimes, right, it's even the best thing we can give him, right? Like when you have nothing to give, it's like, God, you know, like like the little girls with the, like your little girls with the, you know, the flowers. 
Thank you so much for coming on. This book, When You Pray and the Series, is fantastic. Uh, as, as our listeners know, a constant theme of every knee shall bow is the soul of the apostolate, that we cannot be fruitful unless God gives us that fruit, and our fruitfulness is the fruit of prayer. Um, so please check out the series, check out the book. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Shree. Uh, where do people find you? Oh, they can find me on my website, edwardsree.com. That's edwardsri.com. They can find my podcast, All Things Catholic. Catholic and certainly get the book at Ascension Press. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for your time. And uh, God bless in your ministry, especially with all those uh, focused missionaries that you got there. It's awesome. Well, thank you. Pray for us and we'll pray for you and your listeners. Good deal. God bless. 